Howdy, theoriologists. Well, if you are like me, then you are a podcast fan. I mean a big podcast fan. And you have your playlist full of shows that get you through your commute, your job, the workday, the grocery store, making supper. You get the idea. And like me, you want nothing more than for these shows to keep making great content. And you want to support that effort. That's why many of your favorite podcasts have started Patreon campaigns, so that you can show your support for all their work. That is exactly why I have started a Patreon campaign for Conspiracy Theoryology. For less than a cup of coffee each month, you can help this show grow in content, quality, and frequency. And in return, you can get access to patron-only rewards, such as access to the Patreon-exclusive show Expanded Theoryology where we will go beyond theoryology and take deeper looks at topics discussed in the show, as well as explore other areas and new ideas. With guest hosts and candid conversation, there will be new content each month, plus more stuff to come. I know there are tons of shows out there to support, and it's hard to decide, so my goal is to make it worth your while. And if it isn't, you get direct access to tell me and push me to make your experience great. If you are ready to support the show, or just curious about what else Patreon has to offer, go to www.patreon.com slash conspiracytheoryology to check out my page. Then, stick around and search out your other favorite shows. Now, on to the show. Sometimes our imaginations are captured by the possibility of alternative explanations. Join me as we explore the historical events and public state of mind that influenced the appeal and popularity of the most enduring alternative theories out there. I'm Ryan Nelson, and welcome to Conspiracy Theoryology. Hey everyone, before we begin, I wanted to jump in here. I had the pleasure of being joined again by Mike in order to really tackle ancient alien theory. Though we didn't plan it, our conversation quickly took us through plenty of entertaining tangents, and time just got away from us. Because of that, this episode ran very long, and I decided we needed to split it in half. This episode will end just before we begin our discussion into the theoryology and the topic of big history. The second part to this discussion will release next week. I think you'll enjoy this talk today as we introduce the beginnings of ancient alien theory and the authors that provide the two biggest influences. Don't think you've lost out on part of the show. It's coming. Thanks. All right. Welcome back, Theoryologists. Before we begin, a couple of things. First and foremost, uh, thanks to our new Patreon uh, supporter, Kevin Likes. This guy has decided to uh, jump in on the ground floor of our Patreon campaign, and I could not be more grateful for the support. Uh, You also uh, might notice some uh, 
naming convention difference for this episode. Uh, some of the inside business on uh, podcasting is that it's, uh, you know, the focus is to maximize the show exposure and then that searchability within podcast indexes. It's a, uh, it's an intentional shift to make sure the show is a bit more visible in topic searches with so many different indexes and, and the podcast players apps out there all using different ways to metadata the shows. One of the easiest ways the, it to be found is to have a simply a descriptive episode title. So that's what we'll do. And uh, speaking of podcast players, I want to do uh, let you know that Conspiracy Theoryology is now available on Radio Public. So if you are in the market for a new uh, podcast app, Radio Public, it's, it's pretty intuitive and user-friendly. Uh, what makes it different is that Radio Public provides an opportunity to support the podcast just by listening. When you listen, uh, the, the podcasters earn. Uh, so support your favorite shows uh, that, that are found over there on, on uh, Radio Public. All right. Well, let's begin. Tonight, I, uh, I am joined by a very special guest host uh, who you will uh, remember if you've listened to listened to the previous episode, the Patreon teaser, uh, joined me for that discussion. We had such a good time. I, and, and with this tonight's topic, I, I wanted to uh, be able to toss this uh, against somebody that, that found the topic interesting as well. And so I'm being joined again by my brother, Mike Nelson. Hello. Um, Hello, everybody. Welcome. Welcome to the show. I'm glad to, uh, I'm glad to have you on. Uh, it's, it's going to help. This is, this is a good discussion. And of course, you know, as we were prepping pre-show, uh, we, uh, we, we realized there's plenty to dive into. Um, but, uh, you know, really the story with this is that I originally sat down to, uh, as like I was telling you, Mike, it was that, you know, I sat down to, to, uh, to tackle this show basically the same way I normally do, which is to go in and, and, uh, kind of build up, uh, some data of history, define the topic, identify some key players, historic influences, do all the things that, that we normally do on, on, uh, conspiracy theoryology with these topics, uh, Go over the arguments, go over the criticisms, and then try and throw some sort of curveball, you know, some sort of idea for the theoryology that really kind of makes sense of why why it, it's stuck, why this is stuck in our brains as a as a concept, as an interest. But this one, whew, it, this one is filled with nothing but curveballs. It is nothing but curveballs. Oh man! And so I don't know. I it you know we realizing that this needed to be broken up uh we are this is definitely going to be a two-parter at minimum uh so be prepared that that as we start talking ancient astronaut theory that uh any t- any single discussion is scratching the surface or we're going to be here for hours and hours and hours which isn't actually a bad thing but uh just for the sake of our sanity and uh <laughs> It's only getting later right now as we record. Um, but uh, not to mention, and I didn't—I don't think I mentioned to this uh, to you beforehand, but I'm already two days into a, a water fast. So, 
Why is it you're um, always fasting whenever we're doing uh, these things? <laughs> because I'm I'm always I'm always introducing fasting to someone and they always want a, a buddy. So, you know, if someone is like, Wow, that'd be interesting to try when I, I do that. Ma- I wanna make this clear. You know why everyone in ancient man fasted, right? It's because they didn't have anything. If they if you brought someone from back then to here and said, You wanna fast, they'd say no. No, I want, I want fast, fast food. food. Yeah, right, right, exactly. Right. <laughs> That's exactly what they do. I know. I know. No, as as I entered, apparently I, I sell the the concept of of longer term fasting is is a pretty good idea, and so they they want to do it, but they don't want to do it by themselves because it sounds crazy and intimidating, much <laughs> like ancient astronaut theory. So, um, yeah. So I am their I am their ancient astronaut, and I. I say, okay, great. Well, then let's pick a week and then let's fast. So that's what I'm doing again this time. Um, it's, it's, it's not bad. I'm, I'm not twitchy yet. Uh, and I don't, you know, I don't, I don't listeners. I don't know if you can, if you'll hear my stomach rumble while we're talking, (laughs) but we'll see. We'll see. Um, but, uh, yeah, yeah. Okay. Okay. So we'll get back to it. Um, ancient aliens, ancient aliens. So when we talk about this topic as a as a subject, um, you know, and I, I think we we kind of kind of share this this impression is that it's it's just it's full of stuff. And something that I I figured out when looking at this is that we're definitely going to split out this conversation um, because you know, listeners, as you're as you're as you're thinking about ancient astronaut theory, really. You are thinking of probably two things. You're either thinking of the book Chariot of the Gods, or perhaps some example that you've come across. You're thinking of the theory in a website or, or a discussion that, that's been had. You're thinking of a book that's been read. You're thinking of names like Von Danigan or Sitchin, or you are thinking about the latest episode of Ancient Aliens on the history channel and you're thinking of Giorgio Tsoukalos's hair and you are thinking about all of the <laughs> wonderful, crazy what ifs that are going on in, in that show. Right. Um, and it's not, not to be dismissive of it. It's 13 seasons long. I think at this point, tremendously successful, wildly successful and has built off of the early beginnings of ancient uh, alien theory. But it is actually very much a very different discussion. You know, you see in our in the the title of the show today is Ancient Astronauts and Big History. Uh, two separate topics that we're going to address tonight and, and I think find a way to pull them together. So to tonight we're going to leave off the discussion of, of if, if that's OK with you, that's uh, Mike is. <laughs> is leave off, leave off the show. Uh, you know, I, you, I know you're a fan. I'm a fan. It's fun. Um, and uh, uh, if you really want to jump into it, there's a podcast out there uh, that is called Probing Ancient Aliens, and they are working <laughs> through all of the show episodes. Um, I will warn you that show is a not safe for work. Uh, sort of content with a name like uh, Probing Ancient Aliens. No way. <laughs> yes. Yes, yes, but I do have to give props to them because they're addressing that show and they're working through every episode and it's it's pretty funny. Um, when mankind strikes back. 
probing. So yeah, so aliens. after you after you finish this, you can go jump on and find probing ancient aliens and listen to that. Um, if you want a, an in depth episode yeah. by episode discussion, you know you want to you know you want to do it yeah. after hearing all that. Yeah, how could you aliens. not be? Yeah, yeah. So once we first, you know, once we first peel off the ancient aliens television show, we're left with what are we left with? Well, we're left with the original theory, right? And this becomes an origin discussion of of where it comes from and the key influences, the key drivers. Uh, and as as we talked about before before the show, is that there's really two paths, and that is the the hypotheses presented by Eric von Danigan, and then the other route is the the path the told, and I'm going to phrase it like that, the, the, the story told by Zacharias Sitchin. Correct. Yeah. And, the, and those are, yeah, those are it, two very different things. Completely different. Uh, have a lot of similarities, you know, because we both, because they both have histories with the same background in, in science fiction and, and early ways of thinking about, about that. So, so there's a lot of similarities, but you can't you can't really link them. Uh, yes, because at all. they uh, they they do both include aliens. Yes, yes, yes. yeah, and ancient <laughs> stuff. And ancient stuff, right, right, right. We could sound very sophisticated with that too. They involve ancient stuff ancient and things. aliens, and therefore they're the same thing. No, um, no. that's they both sound crazy to a large portion of the population, and. Then they are also very, very appealing to a huge percentage of the population. That they just and whether they uh, these ideas and we'll get into them. Um, we're just we're building up for dramatic effect. Um, <laughs> They're amazing you know, stories that if you don't hear or have never heard, you you are missing out on you. You are unlike all the cool people on earth who have heard these stories, yeah, know them, that, feel them, and say. Meh, and maybe that's true. how we should have maybe that's how we should have introduced it is that there's there's three types of people right there's those people that believe in ancient astronaut theory there are those people that don't believe in ancient astronaut theory and then there are those people that don't know what ancient astronaut theory is and chances are they're not listening to this show either and they must be living under a rock uh, they've never seen the internet yes. they've never opened a window you know, they may well, not be I able to drive that, a car. I, I, I tried to talk about ancient astronaut theory with a few of my friends, and they looked at me like, what are you talking about? And I was like, I, I really thought more people knew about stuff like this. The, and not the show, but just the idea that, that hey, at some point in time, you know, it's possible. Aliens could have come here and helped us. And they looked at me like, no one's ever rationally ever said that. And I'm like, no, really, they have. Uh, so yeah, no, I was proven wrong. I thought I thought I wasn't crazy, and that a lot of people uh, knew just that this was a new thought out there. And no, they don't. They, I think it's been been suppressed pretty good, you know, by mainstream science, where they're like, no, it doesn't exist. It's not a it's not a real thing. And I'm like, yes, yes, it is. Y'all need to go look it up. And then I, of course I have to tell them, look up Von Daniken, look up um, uh, Graham uh, Hancock, even though he's changed his his purview now well you know and, and i'd i'd uh i almost uh, 
You say that. I, I honestly don't believe that Hancock has ever been uh, in the ancient alien camp. Uh, and that's a, that's, that's a subject that, that we are definitely going to tackle uh, in the future because it's, it tells a very similar story. Uh, but it's, you know, Hancock is very much the ancient civilization, the lost civilization perspective. And it's always just been about that. And it's never. Well, not in his early writing. In his his early writing, he, he did, uh, he did have an open cause, cause he believes in it and he pushes, like you said, for the ancient man side of it, but he very much leaves open the possibility that that ancient man got technology from somewhere. Now he doesn't really even discuss it that much anymore uh, because he doesn't want to be considered a crackpot. Um, So that's sad that that you have to take that route in science, but yeah, he's kind of dropped that belief and said, let's just stick with the ancient man part, but that's a whole nother, whole nother thing. Well, and he gets, he gets enough heat without including any of that. He does. He's, he's, he gets enough flack and he, you know, he has enough, (laughs) he gets enough abuse with his theory um to uh without the uh uh without the need to um to incorporate the current ancient astronaut ancient alien perspective in there um just you know he arguing alone that there's there's a ancient technological missing error yes civilizations and and that that 12,000 year, 13,000 year mark of advanced civilization is, is, is a hard enough argument for him. Uh, but yeah, we'll definitely talk about that. In fact, I think he's got a, he's got a new book. So we probably will be talking about that, uh, in the future. We will. Cause I, I just bought it. So I'm reading it right now. Great. Great. Nice. Okay. So back to ancient, uh, ancient astronaut theory, as we said, there's, there's really two pathways to discuss and and really two trains of thought to adopt you can't you can't adopt them both you have to pick one and because they really are all encompassing so yeah to do that i guess the first thing to do which we should have done at the beginning may have been simply to define for those listeners that are not familiar that much with it let's talk about what ancient astronaut theory is um the, you wanna you wanna jump in on that? Yeah. Okay. So as defined by uh, Eric von Daniken, and and when he tries to let people know what his his whole theory is, is it really refers to visited uh, experiences on Earth by extraterrestrial beings uh, in the past, in antiquity, uh, further back, uh, that guided us, that helped us along certain spots. That the ages that we define as Bronze Age, uh, and Iron Age, even the Age of Enlightenment, Renaissance periods, that all those were, weren't just random things that happened in the evolution of society on Earth. That there were key moments that, that had to be nudged and that aliens from, uh, somewhere else, and he has a few different possibilities of where they came from. He kind of pulls off of, of past stories. Of, of visitations from star people that they came here and they nudged us in the right direction. Uh, or they just gave us the ability to make a choice and then just kind of left it us up to us. Uh, and it, and uh, he stated that it wasn't them doing the things, pyramids, these uh, 
ancient cultures and ancient cities, Puma Pumku. He says, you know, places like Gobekli Tempele and um, uh, other places under the ocean, these big monolithic sites that mankind built them with help uh, from extraterrestrials using technologies or earth sciences that, you know, are, are even to this day, we'd consider advanced just because we don't know them anymore. Um, it was drastically different to Zachariah Stitchens, which is uh, aliens made us. They came down, found a planet uh, they that was rich in minerals uh, in the Peruvian area specifically, uh, mined a whole bunch of stuff, didn't like eventually doing it themselves. Uh, could have been because of time restraints or something else that they had to get the certain material to get back to their planet. And so they sped up our evolution. They took the, the primate at the time and said, let's mix our DNA or maybe just DNA they had on file, you know, the intergalactic sperm bank and said, we will take these guys and mix it and, and poof, we have the human race and you know, we'd be in the babies on Earth, so they'd be easily manipulated, and, and we could just be told what to do, and we'd do it. We're the Earth babies. We're the Earth babies. Uh, you know, <laughs> really depressing. Yeah. Just like, oh. And then they, they, you know, we either, depending on how you take his his translations, we either revolted and said, we're not doing this anymore. So we became proud Earth teenagers and said, screw you, Mom and Dad. Or, or they... Slammed the door. Yes. You know. Or they just got tired of us and we are the the left on the doorstep children of the intergalactic fire department. <laughs> and they said, you know what? We got what we needed. Forget y'all. You're annoying. And we're leaving. And they took off. <laughs> they just abandoned us. Right. Well, you know, and that's and that's it in a nutshell. We can actually dive into a bit more. I mean, that's that's essentially <laughs> Those two paths, and and obviously they both include really depressing origins for us. No matter how, you right, right. You know, I mean, in essence, that's what it is. Right? Ancient astronaut theories about the extraterrestrial beings that that came to Earth and con made some sort of contact with humanity, even to the point of creating, being the 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 progenitors of humanity uh, in some some degree of prehistory. And antiquity, right? And and of course, at that point, then there's there's a, a, a slew of of proponents and supporters that essentially argue that that this influence uh, assisted or or promoted the development of of modern culture, of technology, of of religions, and as we said, even perhaps human biology, that uh, perhaps the evolutionary track was that missing link was in fact this extraterrestrial influence. Um, and of course that we can see this uh, evidenced in ancient uh, art, artistry, architecture and mythology. Correct. Right. So that that all of this stuff that we take to be mythological or religious text um, and uh, simply as a as a fictionalized interpretation of trying to understand the world um, and make ethical arguments or moral positions or cut cultural developments and teaching tools are, in fact, very literal um, Miss record, historical documents, historical record of these things happening. So, 
you know, and, and you, you, you summed it up. There's, there's that, which is presented by Von Danigan, Eric Von Danigan. And then, then there's the line that is, I guess, a much more invasive or intrusive argument of the aliens right. by Zachariah Sitchin. Because um, they were developed with two mind frames. Von Daniken was presenting something to the public um, with more of the scientific method in mind. I have an idea. I think I have some evidence looking at everything. Let me present it to you in an alternate, you know, hear your alternate facts and kind of take it as you will. Just, you know, here it is. Stitchin was coming from, from his, I'm going to prove a, a fact because I'm translating the tablets that I have in my hand and I'm going to have a language and I, and I'm, this is going to be as fact, no denying it. You know what? And that's true. You make a very good point that both of these writers, both of these, these men are proposing these, these, these theories, these hypotheses with at least under the, it seems a, a sincere intention of a very um, scientific basis in terms of a, of coming up with some sort of hypothesis of interpreting evidence and research and that they are coming at it from a scholarly perspective. I mean, definitely Sitchin is doing that. Yeah. He, Sitchin he, he, is saying that he, even as an arm armchair uh, anthropologist and archaeologist, he is, he is coming at that saying that this is a very much a scholarly and academic. Yeah. He, he, uh, he Sitchin took 20 years to, to before he even had the, the, you know, hook spot to finally say, okay, guys, I've, I've been working in my room on this crazy theory. All right. Here it is. Yep. Cause he was, yep. he had to save money. He knew once he said it, he was just, you know, they're either going to like it or, um, or I'm going to be, you know, destitute. So he, yeah, he, yeah. he put in the work. Well, let's, let's do that. Let's, I, I don't know about so much. I'm on the wall with, with his let, past work. He was standing in front of the pyramids and he saw that and he knew something has to, someone had someone to give this. Someone has to do it. Had to give. Us this information. Yes, yes, that's my horrible Von Danigan. I, I apologize, <coughs> Mr. Von Danigan. If you if you hear that, I yes, I apologize. Okay. Um much love. But let's let's start. Let's do it from the timeline. Let's let's take it in order because um you know we're we're going to say that this starts with Von Danigan. And when we say that uh, what we really mean, of course, is that it was popularized in modern history by Von Danigan and his book, in his book, Chariot of the Gods. Yes. Um, right. So we can talk about that history. Of course, he was he was influenced people. There, there have been writers uh, of the science fiction and esoteric movements and spiritualists and stuff like that from the 19th and early 20th century that talked about things like this the the concept of extraterrestrial visitors was not new um and their influence on people and society was not new but von Danigan really really did take it and elevate it up to a whole new level yes um, he kind of piggybacked off of um lesser works you know and people try to say that he stole 
not really stole. He just didn't give credit to the people that he researched or that, that fed him. But in reality, there was, you know, forget them. They, they weren't doing anything of significance. It, they were kind of doing the, the science of, Oh, I have an idea. And so I'll write it down either in a small article or it's a science fiction story. And that way, if you don't like it, if the public doesn't like it, I, they don't, they won't attack me. And Von Daniken put it together in a, in a book and say, okay, no, I'm stamping my name to the official theory, uh, that y'all don't have the guts to do. Uh, I think, you know, we kind of got to have to give him credit in that aspect because. Hey, it, yeah, yeah. Testicular fortitude is, is a, is a key aspect of ancient alien theory. And that man's and, been to uh, prison. He's, he's hard. He's a hardened Swiss guy. Okay. <laughs> he's, he's not a Swiss uh, roll. All right. He's a Swiss log. I, I know those, those hard days of serving white <coughs> collar, you know, white collar <clears throat> crime. Time is is rough. Yeah, but have uh, you been to prison in Egypt? That I don't care what kind of crime, white collar. Those prisons no, suck. No, 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 no. I, I believe he was in uh, uh, Switzerland. No, uh, no, he was. He was. Well, oh well. Previously, he did some bad jewelry dealings in Egypt, and he got in right. trouble. Oh, oh, okay, okay. Before okay, before yeah, that know, stuff but, happened, he was. Right. He had already been a hardened criminal. Yeah. So. Well, let's uh, let's do that. Let's talk about that because here we are. Here we are um, uh, throwing bad juju on him. So let's actually introduce. Let's talk about von Danigan, right? A, a Swiss author. Um, Swiss and, author, uh, a young Swiss author, Eric von Danigan, born April fourteenth, nineteen thirty-five, to a couple somewhere in the Swiss Alps. Shined down by the glorious, all-knowing information God was given a gift. To see what no man on earth could have ever seen. That aliens had secretly been helping us the entire time. <laughs> he, no one could do better. That was amazing. Amazing. Um, and a third of it was true. He was born April 14th, mostly, 1935. Mostly factual, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. In, in Switzerland, he went to a, a Jesuit school. He researched uh, in, in his school uh, the different theory theologies uh, of Christianity. Yeah, but I mean, clearly this influenced. I mean, this it this did. did uh, it influenced his interest. He was um, able to see original texts, you know, because this is you talk about. He he was going to school in the in the forties and fifties, and he was getting to see original old manuscripts in Greek. Uh, you know, not just translated into Latin, but the original Greek manuscripts. He had had you know, lessons in, in ancient Greek. And he was noticing differences in, in what was being taught to the masses, Christianity, his faith and what he saw in front of him. And it, and it, it started to tear at him. It gave him an, in, an internal fight. Yeah. I believe he even tells that story, uh, that he was in Egypt and he was, uh, really, you know, effectively at the foot of the pyramids and looking up those going, you know, this is the, these, these couldn't have been built at the time they were with no evidence of, of this level of ingenuity before, or even with the ingenuity, with the, with the idea, uh, how without the technological capability that we're told it, that history says that this, this culture did not possess, right? That they did not have the technological advancement to do major construction works or to, or to uh, understand certain astronomical uh, information and things of that nature. So that the, he took that leap then to say, 
we had help. We had help, you know. Right. Yeah, I, he he looked at key phrases and he he tried to prove himself, you know, uh, right. What would show that we had help? Uh, uh, he and he uh, started getting into some old esoteric books, um, which would be uh, the Book of Enoch, one of his major ones. And uh, I recommend anyone listening. It's not a long read. Go and buy it. Go just you know buy an abridged version uh, of the Book of Enoch because it. It's not a real canon uh, book of the Bible, and and we won't argue if it should be or shouldn't be, but it does help him build his theory. This book really is his it, theory. It it really is. It's it's the it's the basis for much of the interpretation of of a lot of that. Because because uh, he can immediately start to use Greek translations. He can immediately start to see little flaws in stuff like instead of uh, it created in god's image we are created in the god's image in the greek it's it's plurality and he takes that immediately means well you know my god isn't a dual god and he he looks at one of the reasons he talks he says chariots of fire the title of his book is almost every description of gods or angels or important moments have some type of vehicle, you know, being used the chariot, and he's like, God doesn't. It's, no wait, you know, like, wait, wait, like a. It's, it's not. It's not chariots of fire. <laughs> it's not. No, 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 no. It's chariots on fire. No, no, no. It's chariots of the gods. Yes. You're. You've. You've got. You've got. Uh, you've got your. Uh, your titles no, mixed did up. I mix them up. Although, although chariots of fire is a great. Is a great peace but no 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 oh. no von Danigan's book Chari- is chariots, chariots of, of the gods my bad misspoke yes 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 <laughs> but which makes even more sense and be- because yes, because in the in enoch's book and in several spots it always talks about uh whoever gods or angels coming down on a chariot wheels uh and he would always say to himself well my god doesn't need a vehicle he can just kind of pop up and be like hey i'm here or poof, I'm gone. So there had to be an explanation. Why would the ancients write this if it wasn't true? And, and, and uh, that's right. And that's exactly. Uh, I mean, that's how, that's how I've understood it too. Every time uh, I've heard, listened to him speak or, or in reading the books, is is that? And of course, we we're not going to go over example after example here with ancient uh, in in all of the examples he gives for ancient alien theory. Uh, but like you touched on there, I mean, whether he's referencing the Book of Enoch or other uh, biblical uh, uh, examples and references, or he's looking at Egyptian texts or uh, ancient uh, Hindu texts or uh, examples in South America, Central America, it, the list goes on and on, right, of examples where he says that they are either through through writings and stories or through artwork are depicting um, what seems to be a a vehicle, a conveyance of some sort of a very physical deity that, that rather than interpreting it as it simply as some sort of um, I don't know, framed it as a, as a, instead of just some sort of conceptualized conveyance, Correct. He's saying that this, they're depicting a very physical object. Very physical. He, he it's, yes. it's, yes. it's misinterpreted. It's mis, misinterpreted. Right. It's misinterpreted. Because and that's yeah. and that's what he says, uh, which is is, I mean, it's a good out for your theory, you know. Which is, uh, well, why doesn't everything 
look, why don't they just say, hey, some green dudes landed and lifted a rock with a ray gun and we built the freaking pyramids. I mean, hey, uh, you think they'd be writing that crap all over the world? Like I would draw a 10 foot tall alien in my house if aliens landed tomorrow and did some cool stuff. Well, but that's that's the argument is that maybe they are telling us and we just we just refuse to listen. Yes. Um, that that these these images, all these depictions, right, where we make the argument that, oh, well, people have been doing skull bindings and that's why everybody has elongated heads all over the world in these in these images or, um, you know, that, that, that this uh this thing, this chair that it looks like uh, this person is sitting in and steering a like a rocket ship or a vessel that no, no, no. It's actually just depicting a, 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 a journey to the underworld and this or that. Right. So that's what he's saying ultimately is that no, the, the evidence is right there. They are telling us. Right. And we are, they, are just reading it wrong. Yeah, we're we're the ones misinterpreting right. the information. We're, we're reading it in Latin when it was written in Greek. You know. Because, yeah, because obviously the the, the safest conclusion is aliens. Um, oh yeah, well I, I mean I know I know that's where I always go. If I but, had a um, choice between when you die, there's going to be an alligator god that rips out your heart and weighs it to a feather, or maybe aliens. I'm gonna go with maybe aliens. You know, <laughs> I'm gonna go with that. Sign me up. Maybe it's preferable. Yeah, but I mean, and that's that's the key with with. Uh, von Daniken is that he published uh, after working through all this, as you said, with this background, this education and this research. And again, a lot of it was just observation. And I, I think von Daniken would be the first to say in many times that this is as he saw it, he was interpreting in this and understanding that it, it didn't make sense um, with the traditional explanation that it made more sense looking at this as a whole as a big picture. Um, he came, that, he came from a time period, which was giving birth to observational science uh, in which, uh, which started around 1947 is when it began. And it was the idea that uh, you could go and see the direct correlation between nature and saw and, and oh, I read it and I wish I had printed it out, but you could observe things that were basically, obvious in 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 nature and those things that were observed as obvious things could be determined to be facts uh gravity being what you saw the obvious effects of gravity you could go out and see it it was obvious it didn't need to be disputed uh and so you had to go out and make more observations this led to uh a lot of explore you know the, a new resurgence of exploration just go and observe this is when we found things in south america nazca lines started to really be searched because it was, oh my gosh, they've been here the whole time and we didn't see them. Uh, right, so, right. so this observational science that, and he did it, he walked everywhere and, and just looked. You can't observe these from the ground. They, you have to be in the air. High. You have to be That's, high. You have to be high. Which, which, who are these four? Which, I mean, okay. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, I was just guessing, which no. brings to a, uh, we'll link next episode, a funny story involving meeting Eric Von Daniken. And and I was not personally high because I was still an employment of the United States government, but uh, but he was not completely sober. He was high he, off the ground. He was looking at the Nazca lines. Um, that, okay, yes, yes. I, I want to hear that story. 
and um, we'll we'll definitely that'll that'll be in in part two uh, of this discussion. Um, so to let's yeah, so let's 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 put Von Danigan in a bow so we can so we can move to the next one because I Sitchin is is you really likes I think you're a stitching guy, aren't you? He's he's more fun because it's wild. It's it's. <laughs> if I'm going to give any credence to either of these, it's going to be to Von Danigan's impressions. But, but just simply for the the literary wow and power, I like Sitchin. He's he, Sitchin's the man for this. Um, <laughs> but no, so you know, because Von Danigan, I mean, Von Danigan puts out one book, right? <laughs> he writes a book in '67, Chariot of the Gods, and it outlines this that we've all been that we've been talking about, and oh, so much more. Um, and and it creates this movement. I mean, and it influences when I when we say that this book was influential, it 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 is the basis. If you look at from the nineteen seventies uh, to oh my god, I would say all the way up until the late eighties, it is probably the premise to almost every number one blockbuster sci fi film and book. Yeah, well, it, it influenced shows. In Search of, there was a whole series what of did, In Search of, Ancient Aliens. What did the alien uh, movies ultimately, what did that whole arc ultimately eat to, lead to? Prometheus and how we came from somewhere else, and it was the ancient astronaut. We were, that was the whole theory. They they led it back yeah. to that. Well, and probably the most modern example is the entire Stargate, yeah, uh, Stargate. Uh, saga, right? Stargate SG-1. It's built on that, along with some other uh, proposals, but it it definitely comes from this. It's burst out of this. Uh, it's it's extremely popular from a, a sci-fi and fictional perspective when people don't know it, don't think of it as a as a proposed hypothesis for actual history. It's just... It's great stories. So, what do you find? Um, what do you find more tantalizing about about Zechariah? What 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 draws you to his story more than the other one? It lets you know that this is this is one of those arguments because there are criticisms uh, that we don't you know necessarily need to yeah without, to dive into. People talk about him. it, right? Right? Uh, you know, because that well, the argument for the ancient astronaut theory is that there's some underlying. Uh, uh, racism that that sits into it this this perception that these ancient cultures could not have achieved certain things on their own and so obviously the very first conclusion that must be drawn is that they received help from aliens right and and so then it automatically that's one of the primary criticisms is that it's just built off of that and it's 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 racially motivated or it has undertones even if von Daniget wasn't thinking that is that it that's the, that's what it gives but but I don't think that's the case I don't think I, so at to all. me I think if to anyone... me it's very appealing because um you know it 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 says that we're told all the time all the time that whenever we find something that seems slightly advanced technologically advanced and 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 we don't understand we don't quite know things like the Baghdad battery right we don't we don't quite know what that was used for. Yes, we do. We don't quite know. We don't quite know. Well, <laughs> Ryan, Ryan, from a, the scientific community does not accept that it's for much more than perhaps electroplating. Yes. Right. Or that it, it functioned in some form or fashion. But um, but you just see, that's that right there. We know what it was for. It just doesn't fit 
the ancient alien thing if we can say it's very simple what it was for because it's it's kind of like why build such a complex why build such a complicated machine if you're going to do something super simple with it right Ex- well and and that's Ex- and that's great as a tool but if um if it is you know we've seen the image everybody knows with that that image that uh of the uh the egyptian it's a- uh, artwork of that giant light bulb looking thing you know the snake center and the yes, light bulb yes. and then what seems to be the of uh, some sort of battery array some sort of battery pack well if we go through and we say hey this baghdad battery thing is very much a battery you know it's just a good straight on chemical battery and that if these things were actually put in some sort of large use it could be electroplating to me is a very technologically advanced practice um in terms of we've got a, a a bronze age society oh absolutely that is is using electricity either in a mild form in a mild form but but that's when you but think about it, it's not so shocking because other civilizations did that now it, it's true now it's, it's true. true that we have images that don't that don't fit what we're told they are that that big lotus you know they say it's a big lotus flower and what you're seeing on the bulb is the aroma the smell of the flower uh, except and and when when taken at face value, you go oh well okay that's much better than than a giant light bulb. Uh, and I kind of went to that for a while, and then I revisited that theory, and I looked at better pictures that we have, and it just yeah it goes it it constantly makes you go back and forth because now that I look at it, you know uh, back I go yeah. that does that's not a, a lotus flower. It has a wire coming out right. of it. And, right, and we have but the Baghdad battery that goes at the end of that wire, so it's not like a missing piece of the puzzle. I know, you know. But here's the thing: is that regardless of what what one thinks about that or how to interpret that, is we're told the the accepted consensus with that on in this example with with Egyptology, modern Egyptology, is that no, it cannot possibly be any more advanced than a very mild battery that's used for electroplating there there's no other technology that they would have used it for right or they would have harnessed right we're constant and that that example is used over and over again is that there is there is no anytime we the <coughs> antikythera mechanism is another good one yes well that's not actually a, a a a computer of some sort or that's there's even though we have examples of phenomenal technological examples that seem to have existed in the ancient world in some regard and, and, and beautifully simple. I know someone's going to come along and say, no, 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 there are simple mechanics that were involved there that, that are beautifully simple and were well within the, uh, the realms of these ancient cultures, right? The, the ancient, I think it was the, the Greeks that would in the, uh, uh, temples have their little coin machines. Yeah. The coin machines that would effectively, you know, run basically a, a steam heater and cause yes. things to rise and turn beautifully simple uh, mechanisms. And it shows a, a good understanding of, of simple mechanics and physics and thermodynamics in that, you know, in that sense of it. And, and how that, even if you don't have a full comprehension of why it works, you understand that it does. The now, mechanic, but, you know, now we do, but look at what they were getting away with back then. The priest understood the simple mechanics of it. 
So the, the, the very small few to the rest of the masses, the reason we know that they bought that stuff as, as miracles and acts of God is because they didn't riot and topple the priests and the temples going, this is some chicanery. No, they believed yeah. it. To them, this stuff was magical because they didn't understand it. it. Is. And if it they was. couldn't understand magical. simple stuff like that, how the hell are they going to understand the physics of building a pyramid? Even if I give them a pulley and levers and stuff, without it, without it, help, they're not going to understand how to use it. Right, right. And that's – and, you know, to, to draw that back, I mean, that's exactly unless right. We, and that's what Van that, – that's – that's, <laughs> I was going to say, unless we were created with a – with a special genetic ability that primed us for work and for knowledge and for, for understanding the laws of physics, which, which then goes into Zacharias Titchens, you know, and ladies and gentlemen, that's what we call a segue. Um, no. And so let's move right in that. Let's leave, uh, let's leave Von Danigan behind. Um, and, and I know, I know it's just so, it's wonderful. We're going to intentionally, uh, abandon this and move forward. Uh, to to Zachariah Sitchin and yeah. move on to that. And this is this is this is phase two because uh, Sitchin is is writing at a a different time um, than Von Danigan, and his works actually are comprised of an entire series. So the, what 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 everybody knows of is ultimately comes out of this uh, a collection of works called the Earth Chronicles. Just a brief background on Sitchin. You know, he was he was he grew up in in Azerbaijan. Um, he had a background, a degree in economics uh, from the University of London. He was he was a journalist and an editor, um, and eventually moving to New York in the fifties. So this is a this is not a a, a, a layman, as it were. No, this is he was respected. This is an act. He was an academic, yeah, very much so. Um, he taught himself cuneiform. Well, uh, <laughs> right? That, that. He, he did. He taught himself cuneiform. He may not have gotten it all right. I was going to say he didn't just teach himself cuneiform. He he literally, whether right or wrong, was the defining uh, de facto expert on you know cuneiform up until people started questioning it. He did. He Rosetta Stone that thing, man. Yeah. I mean, he he. Who teaches themselves cuneiform? People that lock and, themselves and, in New York for twenty years. Right. <laughs> that's who. And yeah, and I mean, that's that's the difference here. Uh, uh, I like though that that the his backstory um, of where he where he came from and how he his mind frame when he was translating everything uh, was very. So, uh, once again, it's, it was very sci-fi based. So he had been influenced already to, um, by writers. Uh, oh, what's his name? Robert Shrove. I'm trying to think of his pen name. I know I have a click here somewhere. Click Robert Joseph Grugo. Uh, oh, oh, yes. Uh, his real name. Grugo. Robert Shrove. Um, uh, people like that. He read them. Uh, Lewis Powell's, I believe I, I brought it up. Yeah. Lewis Powell's. Uh, Jacques Berger, all these guys were writing, uh, old stories of, uh, ancient, this, a star from far away that people came, landed on earth and, and seeded, uh, you know, life. Uh, and so that kind of guided him 
to where when he, you know, think of a little boy reading Superman and then you go out and you find a glowing green rock. All right. Now the first thing you do is think, Oh my God, I found kryptonite. All right. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Because that's what you know. That's what that's you what know. Rock and is. you would love to prove that Superman was real. All right. So he kind of went into that thinking. Uh, now he still had scientific back. This wasn't like a, an average person doing this. He came with a scientific back, you know, ground to where he could yeah. go, no, I can legitly put, put stuff together. Yeah. And, 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 and ultimately what, I mean, with, with him, with this case is again, we're talking about a man that was, that was highly educated and, uh, in learning it, obviously in learning this, this Sumerian cuneiform. It was because he wanted to go through and understand these texts. Well, Sitchin goes in and he starts to read these texts of, of Sumerian history and mythologies. And he interprets them right off the bat as this is, these are historical documents. This is telling us what happened. And that was very, to see this very different than, than von Danigan who is saying that they these all of these ancient writings and stuff are just leaving us clues and information about who has influenced us and instead Sitchin is coming in and saying these these writings are telling us the origin of mankind period yes and he, yes yeah he looked at I mean, he, hundreds and hundreds of clay tablets and came to the conclusion that that this there was a, a, a very distinctive difference between the way Sumerians told a story and their, and their structure and the way they wrote down day-to-day uh, historical moments. You know, the king did this. This is how much corn was harvested. And what he found was their mythos story, their, their story of mankind in their civilization was written down as fact, not as a story. Not as like a verbal tradition that, that someone said, you know, it's about time we write this down. But it was more of a, okay, for the record on governmental paper, put this, you know, put pen to ink and, 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 or, you know, triangle stick to clay and, and say this is what happened, uh, which implies right. it was fresh enough in their historical timeline that they still remembered it pretty dang good. Right, right. And, and we are talking about, you know, a culture that existed. What five thousand years ago? Yes, five five hundred years ago. Five six thousand years ago. Um. So yeah, you're right. It's closer to six thousand sixty five hundred years ago. Um. But it, it, and and we kind of, we, I I want to wrap up Sitchin in a in and not do it any justice. Uh. Even though it's it's my favorite. Uh. But um. It would just it just we'd have to. We'd have to dive into it. It takes too long. I mean, ultimately, the premise here is even if you've never heard of Zachariah Sitchin. You've heard of right? all his I, work. You've heard of all of this stuff because you've heard of the planet Nibiru and this hidden planet that's in the solar system. Uh, and, and Or you've heard of the Anunnaki. Or planet and, uh, for, for, for people that don't know like Nibiru, that don't know the, the names. It's anytime anyone refers to planet nine. Planet X. Planet, 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 planet 10. It's <laughs> coming. It's, it's coming co- right for us. 
I made I made my kids watch Planet Nine just because they said, "What was the worst movie ever made?" And I say, "Wait a minute, I know that answer to that," and uh, and I made them watch it. <laughs> that's yeah, I mean that's the key. That's the thing we all, all have heard you've this all stuff heard it. long before this, and and that's what it that's what it comes down to is that he's he's built a story. It, it has started from the beginning. Ultimately, that in very short, high cliff notes version, right? That this planet. This, this extra planet in the solar system has a huge orbit of 3,600 years, elliptical orbit around 36, the sun. 36,000 years with it coming with it coming by us every, what is it, 12 36? or 16? See, I, I've, heard, I've heard both. I've heard that there's this 10,000-year orbit where it swings close enough to Earth and then uh, also that it's the 36 – a uh, hundred year orbit. I guess, and, I guess it depends on which, yes, there's two. Uh, the one that I, I know of is the one that they actually link to the same cycle as the Mayan calendar, which is just look, one of those I'm, freaky coincidences. It's not a I'm direct. talking about the actual Nibiru, oh. not the fake Nibiru. Thank oh, you very much. Oh, oh. Okay. Uh, some <laughs> Planet nine, not planet X, um, which Apple's released planet X are, and that's the latest <laughs> updated X. Um, no, no, no. It, yeah. So that's that's the, so there's different sources here. But but the gist is there's this huge long multi thousand year orbit that that this planet, meaning it goes way far away from the sun yeah. to the to the point that we can't see it. No, it should be and, between, it should be out by the Oort cloud. You know, yes, way out there. But it, but last time it swung through here, uh, I shouldn't say last time. Potentially, what, 400, 450,000 years ago, it swung through here, and the inhabitants, of, the inhabitants of Nibiru realized that Earth had mineable material, specifically gold, yes. that they needed in order to inject gold in, in some sort of, of aerosoled form into their atmosphere, which helps protect them uh, with their long orbit. And so they send down a group of people of slaves to mine. This group is known as the Anunnaki. The Anunnaki. Now they're for, not slaves. They're just their workforce. They're a workforce. You're right. They're they're. It's I. They're, they're, they're the, I mean, they're the poor people on their planet that really needed a job, and yeah, the oil company said, "Come with us, you know, and and we'll get you great pay. You just probably won't make it home." Man, that's how I ended up in Iraq. Exactly. Um, they were. Yeah. They were you of the of the galaxy. <laughs> They were the dirty, dirty contractors. Except, yeah, so, except they weren't um, rebuilding stuff that their brother was so diligently blowing up in the first place. And we thank you for that. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, so so they do. So this, there's this group, the Anunnaki, and they come through and they are mining gold for thousands, tens of thousands of years um, until they decide that, you know what, we're sick and tired of being the ones to do this. We're going to have our own workforce and they take the um, the indigenous wildlife and discover a fairly intelligent <coughs> primate, primitive primate species, and say, you know what? With a little bit of help, this could become a useful creature. And uh, so they have they they do some trial and what, error, DNA, yeah. genetic, yeah, yeah trial it, and error. It, it's weird because according to to Stitchin's translations. It wasn't first primates. First, they started out with other beasts on Earth. That this is why they have um, 
various different hominid species. Uh, well, like the Minotaur, uh, there is a some oh, Samoans you, have a half bull man, except that that it looks a little different. They have, you know, uh, bird men. Uh, they have uh, reptile men, uh, not lizard men. For all of you all listening that are like, oh, he just said lizard men, not lizard men, uh, but half breeds, and so it mimics the the future mythologies of of you know the early Greeks uh, and and Hittites and and that area. Uh, yeah. So, where and then finally they find a, a a primate that they're like, well, okay, this one hominid. Uh, capacity for brain growth and very similar or compatible DNA. We assume, I mean, if they're that advanced, they may be able to just get a, a rock and go, Hey, we can turn this into a living, breathing thing. Who knows? Uh, yes. Yeah. Right. So that was the idea. I mean, yeah, it's, 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 it's alien CRISPR work. No. I mean, this is, this is, this was genetic manipulation to create us yes. as a species. As a, as a this is that workforce. This is, Yes, and so then we're a workforce, and oh, also the Anunnaki are are basically immortal. Um, we forgot to mention that, so yes. they're living a long time, long life. So they, yes, yeah, so they eventually basically take up a role as rulers of this workforce, and um, uh, as these cultures, as these, as this worker race, this slave race, kind of builds up on their own and establishes. Uh, cities and and this is where this civilization of of Sumeria stems from, um, and their mythology captures their history. These Anunnaki become first their rulers and then eventually their their godheads. And uh, the ancient texts capture that. Uh, so that's that's Sitchin in a very tiny summary nutshell. Yeah. Um, now I want to I want to blow your mind with this because there's there's he suggested one thing that was immediately dismissed and it wasn't talked about much and there hasn't ever been any books written about it. But if you read uh, articles from the New York Globe uh, uh, back then, he had made some suggestions which linked uh, the Bible and Samaria and Adam and Eve and the Anunnaki all together. And he did it quite nicely to where it freaked me out. Uh, because if you look at the timeline, it, it states very simple. Okay, Adam and Eve kicked out of Eden. Uh, they go. There's already people out there, and he desc- it describes those people uh, because it was uh, Abel. You know, Arcane goes out and meets people, and people will argue if this brothers and sisters and stuff like that. But he explains it. He's like, well, they met the Sumerians uh, that were already out there. Now, why? Why would your civilization down here, Eden, not even talk about the Sumerians unless they were so different, all right, that you didn't consider them humans? You know? Right. And that, that, would, that's that would feed into their mythos of they were created by non-humans. Yeah, and, and that's it. I mean, and that's the great thing about this is is that Sitchin takes this and his his – translations right he's taking text that he's translating and he's he's determined that these are not just mythological texts these are historical these are records yes these These are meant to convey an actual history and it tells this story that provides this this 
solar system his, history, right? This this solar history for um, how Earth and life, advanced life, and civilized life began on the planet. Um, and they were they we were weirdly from. knowledgeable. It's it's he kind of even if even if everything Stitchin said about the translations and what his thoughts were wrong, he proved that the Sumerians were knowledgeable about the solar system, about the uh, effects uh, of us in space. Uh, it, it's weird. They just they knew basic stuff, and so you can either attribute that to being they knew the earth was round. Was it just humans being smart or did they have some type of, you know, pr- did they have a history book, a history text? Uh, and what we're seeing is their, you know, last copies of that book, which would be why you find these hinky, hinky things in it that lead us to go, oh, it's not true. It can't be true. It's like, oh, if you copied a history book for a thousand years, eventually things are going to change, be left out to where the story doesn't make sense. So we always look at, at, at it that way that even if it doesn't make sense, and this is a really old, you know, civilization that, that, I don't know, they, they knew too much. <laughs> right, right. And that's the fascinating thing. And again, it, it tells this wonderful narrative in this story, um, that, uh, that has influenced a lot. I mean, they, they talk about this perhaps influencing realism and, and, and other aspects. Uh, and, and Sitchin doesn't just lay this out in a book. Von Dannigan is laying out a hypothesis that, um, is supposed to be all encompassing of, of the idea. And he writes other books that basically dive into it more, but chariot of the gods is supposed to just present this alternative perspective on history. That's supposed to make people think. And, uh, Sitchin though is saying, we have to rewrite and re-understand our entire concept of what we consider history. That our, our origins are entirely different than we perceive. And there's hints of it and there's parallels that are reflected through, through these uh, cuneiform texts and then also mirrored in uh, other texts, Christian texts and probably others around uh, the, wor- the world. You know that have these parallels, and and so he does, and and Danigan and him both uh, both do that is is drawing the 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 parallels to religious stories and and scripture as well as mythology and mythological writings and stories, and Stitch and did it that sort of in a way for the uh, much better than Von Danigan. Are you ready for an awesome segue here? again? Stitchin did it in a way where he looked at the origin of man on earth and said, okay, we, we, that's our history is man started in Africa. And then we went this way and we ended up, you know, in Samaria and that's our first civilization. And then we created writing and we wrote down the history of where we came from and, and his, his idea of it. And this is aliens and Nibiru because then he realized if all this stuff was true, we weren't wrong in our way of thinking of where we came from and the evolution of us, but it just wasn't on earth. It, it goes back further in history and, and history then becomes not just the history of mankind on earth, not just the history of the planet, but you have to look at the history of all our planets in the solar system and how long did they have civilizations on, or it could there be civilizations on because how old are they? And then 
How old is our galaxy? How old is the universe? And do we have time to have civilizations all this? It made people start to look at the the big picture. Yeah, yeah, they love it. And, and, you know, it's just it's this wonderful mix of if you just wanted to read it as science fiction, you could read it as just science fiction. Um, if uh, if you wanted to read it as a, 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 a better understanding, uh, you know, a reinterpretation of history based on uh, new data and new information, you could read it like that. And it, and it read well. Yes. Right. And it, he lays out these various things. And then he takes this on and he he releases it in a series of books. He very much intends on putting this out is as multiple, again, like multiple academic papers. Yeah, He's releasing in volumes. More, and more information in volumes. Uh, so, so that Sitchin, Sitchin seems very sincere in his understanding. And, and, and so the criticisms aren't, they never seem to be that he was just a crackpot, right? The criticisms <sighs> are that he, he, uh, has this misinterpretation. The the big the worst thing they can say is that he just he makes the mistake of misunderstand one focusing on Mes- Mesopotamian culture too much as this this hub and ignoring everything else that was going around, and then also kind of misunderstanding Babylonian literature and and interpreting this as but. It is. It's. 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 Because um, he was going it's into it. It's an academic it. criticism. Yeah, he was going into in a into it into a field that really had no. Uh, it, it had a lot of people studying it, but no one trying to understand understand it. They had all this information. We had statues. We had old reliefs. We had things that were uncovered by the sand, ziggurats and stuff that they could look at, but we still couldn't understand them. It was just might as well have been an art gallery for all we know. Uh, and he was the first one that said, "Well." quit doing that and and get to freaking work as scientists and try to understand what it is that we're looking at. So he tries to tra- he does something no one, you know, has really attempted to and that is definitively translate uh cuneiform. Yeah. So, yeah, you know, if he makes some some mistakes or even if he's completely wrong, can't hold that as a as a negative thing because almost everyone is wrong in their first interpretation of anything. But it it yeah. you know, it, his has stuck long enough because he has gotten some things right. Uh, and so, yeah, no one can accuse him of being uh, out to make a buck. I'm just going to slap this together. Here's a theory with a little bit of evidence that makes it look true, and people will, will buy it, which is what I think people look at Von Daniken like. Uh, they look at Stitchin more of a, no, he's a legit scientist. He just may have been completely wrong. Right, right. And, and ultimately – uh, you know, listeners out there, y'all, you've been hearing us going into it, and we've definitely, as high level as we intended to be, you know, chasing these rabbit holes um, that that follow for each of these ideas. Uh, we barely scratched the surface, honestly. No, we really yeah, did. we didn't and, even get and, into. I wanted to point out some stuff to take uh, you back further of of where all the the theories yeah, came from. Now, we didn't. Yeah, have time. yeah, and 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 we could, we could just keep going if you know, to, to try and, and, and jump in and, and let us move to the, uh, the theoriology, just looking at these authors. And I, at this point, I definitely, I will recommend if you want to understand this a bit more, some other podcasts to listen to, you know, uh, as always, I, I, we try and recommend some good, some good podcasts that have done the legwork before on these topics. And, uh, if you haven't ever listened to the Gramerica show, 
uh, podcast, they have a great interview with Eric Von Danigan. And you can find Eric Von Danigan speak all over the place. But, you know, I sent that I sent that to you earlier and uh, you know, I, I think we agree. It was a very good interview. It was. I mean, I it's liked not. It. It, it's a it's a good interview. It's open. This is this is a sh- a show that's ac- that is fairly skeptical in some in some regards and open in others. And the conversation and the interview really comes through. And and they were very respectful. Fonda- they didn't they they weren't out to to make him seem uh, like a crackpot or to to overly you know praise him at all. They really just gave him a platform right. to go give us your. This is what everyone keeps saying. Can you, from the horse's mouth, can you give it to us? Yeah. Yeah, so definitely. So go check that out. And, of course, uh, that will be linked in the show notes. The other one is uh, an often recommended uh, podcast here is uh, those conspiracy guys. They jumped in and did, like, you know, a three-hour episode <laughs> entirely on Zachariah Sitchin, which are three or four hours. And, and I mean, and they, that's what's required to dive into – the Anunnaki lore yeah. and the, the history of Nibiru and all of that. And, and so that, that has, it, yeah, more, I mean, it's crazy. Cause yeah, the evidence for that and they, it leads you down yeah. all sorts of crazy research. It does. It does. And it's, it, it, like I said, it's a lot of fun. I love it. I love it for that aspect of it. Um, so both of those will be linked in the show notes, but ultimately to kind of wrap these two up, these two different paths, these two ancient astronaut, ancient alien approaches and proposals that are themselves influenced by, by other ideas and other writers and, and uh, of the time and, and, and preceding them. Um, ultimately what these hypotheses, these interpretations, these right, the, these proposals are trying to do what they're, they're trying to offer. It seems anyway, from my humble perspective is they are trying to provide an origin, a, a, a concrete coalescing of so many of these different ideas, so many of these, these, on one hand, disparate cultures, disparate periods of time, disparate civilizations, um, and, and stories and mythologies and ideas that at the same time seem to have some sort of thread that kind of runs through them. And maybe that thread is more than just that it's humanity, right? That the, the, the common thread is more than just that everybody's human. And so maybe there's a predilection for similarity as these cultures developed independently. That instead it's that, no, 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 no. There's a guiding force behind this. The, everything that happens before it has influenced. And that, you know, that led to everything else, whether we're talking about Von Danigan and the aliens, these extraterrestrial visitors providing a catalyst for change, for a, a leap, a jump in advancement of human civilization. Or we're looking at Sitchin saying, no, 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 humanity is the leap, is it's it comes from this alien intervention, this 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 Anunnaki influence that's then reflected in our, in the historical record, the, the, the humanity's memory subconsciously, they're still providing an origin, an origin for this advancement and how we got to modern day. And also to the point that 
they're providing that either of these options, either of these extraterrestrial visitors have given us a, a message, right? They've left us a guiding example. They are providing some sort of, I don't know, warning for the future message for us that we're supposed to understand that we need to rediscover and understand now in order for society to advance. Because if it doesn't, it faces very bad things, right? We face that fork in the road that doesn't end well. The human aspect of it, and I think I've talked to, you know, I've talked about it before with you, is, is fear has kept us going as a human race from the dawn of time, from the fear of dark to the fear of once we knew what the dark was, what was out in the dark, uh, from the fear of the future, once we understood the concept of the future, the the fear of the past, what have we forgotten? Because everything's cyclical. And I think human beings know that deep down inside, we see patterns. We see that what go, you know, everything tumbles, what goes around comes around and patterns repeat in nature and in mankind. So we have to create stories that help us remember these cyclical events, the, the rising of a species, us and the fear that if we mess up or just by no fault of our own, because of just, you know, the cycle we end, uh, we create alternate possibilities for us to break that cycle. If it's, whether it's alien intervention helping us along the way now to break that cycle and, and bringing us technologies at the right point in times, uh, or that we are afraid they're going to come back because we're their creation. And they're going to end the cycle for us. And there's nothing we can do about it. You know, right. And, right. and so it's scary to think either one of those completely changes our, our past history and completely throws our future history mm-hmm. into just who knows uh, what's going to happen. And we don't like that. You know, we don't like yeah. that thought of unknown stuff. So we have these great human stories and histories and theories of where we came from, the origins of it all, uh, how far back that goes, how much of space does that encompass in our history? You know, are we really a product of a star blowing up 100,000 light years away and that stardust eventually getting here, you know, billions of years later and creating us? Or are we the result from a, a injection into a monkey so that we stop throwing our poop and start throwing rocks, you know, in a pile? Okay, that's all for today. Thanks for joining Mike and I as we introduced Ancient Alien Theory. Make sure you click that follow or subscribe button so that you don't miss the discussion as we continue it next week when we jump into the theriology and talk about big history. As always, connect with me via email at contact at conspiracytheriology.com. Join the Facebook discussion group. Find me on Twitter at TheriologyPod or just recommend the show to others. All the info can be found at the show website, conspiracytheoryology.com, including how to support the podcast on Patreon. Music is by Adam Henry Garcia, and if you'd like to hear more, visit adamhenrygarcia.bandcamp.com. So until next time, remember, beyond the conspiracy and behind the belief lies the theoryology. <laughs>